Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. You know, I want a church, and we, as elders, we, we desire to have a church where we're excited to be together, where we look forward to gathering, we look forward to being around each other. And some of us have even noticed, like, and in, in by God's grace, and this is him being faithful and gracious, and it's, it's a big part to do with you guys, like, people are like, enjoying church. And I know that sounds crazy, but you guys know what I mean. There are folks out there that, like, do not enjoy church. I went to church, you know enjoy being here and they stay after and they talk and they fellowship and and it's just a beautiful thing for us to see. Um, I'm going to, uh, as Andrew said last week, I'm going to talk about love today, but I want to I read a scripture and kind of talk for a quick minute and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray a couple different times in and through this message. So like I said, bear with me. Hopefully it's not too weird, but welcome to Cobblestone. Um, Matthew 22, verse 34 If you could just turn there, or I think it'll be up there. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus was putting the weight where the weight needed to be. He's like, hey, listen, love the Lord God with everything. And last week, if you were here, and if you weren't, go ahead and uh, listen to the podcast Andrew really pushed in this whole month. It's kind of like he who has an ear, let him hear. So we're not like following necessarily a, a book or anything this, this month. We're really just kind of prayerfully saying, Lord, what do you want to say to your church? And he who has an ear to hear is kind of out of revelations. And you guys know when, when, when Jesus was talking to John and writing the letters to the churches, he's like, basically, listen, wake up, pay attention. I'm saying something. So last week, Andrew touched on, and I wanted to reiterate that, kind of the, the first part of this, that you got to love God with everything. And so if you weren't here, I will just say that. Is there something contending, fighting, attacking your love of the Father? And this is a great place to start. To start because the next part that I'm going to talk about is loving each other and how the love of, love of God calls us to love each other. It doesn't work if you're not loving God with everything. They have to go hand in hand because Christ even puts the weight. The first and the most important is love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So if that's you and you got something in the way, I I would just, I'm going to invite you into a prayer here with me. And if there's, so everybody just kind of close their eyes so you're not staring at me, how cool my, my sweatshirt is or how much sweat I'm starting to get, you know. Heather's like, you're going to be really hot in this thing. So anyways, close your eyes, and let's just open our heart humbly and honestly to the Father. <sighs> Lord, I'm going to read that. You said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your mind. You said all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. This is the great and the first commandment. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, if there's folks in here that are not doing this, I ask in the gentleness, but in the power, that you would convict them that you would let them know they are not loving this way, that you would lovingly warn them, that you would lovingly invite them into a relationship to follow, to trust, to worship, to be yours. Search us this morning. And then, Father, I pray the next thing, and and you said it's just like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, I get ready to talk about love. 
the body, loving each other. Will you speak? Will you right now, in the name of Jesus, in your name, move on the hearts, bring things to mind, bring people to mind, bring situations to mind? Let us be a people of action. I heard this this week, Father, and I pray this on this church, where the heart is right, the feet will be swift. So as the heart changes this morning, Lord willing, our feet would be swift to act, to go, to be. Lord, speak. Have your way this morning. Have your way in this sermon. Let it make sense. Fall on the ears. Change our hearts, Lord. Help me to get out of the way, not try to be anything that I'm not. Just be a vessel that you speak through. Jesus, I ask this in your name. Amen. All right. Well, we all can go home now. Now, <laughs> uh, there's a lot to know, guys. There's a lot to know and study, speak on, preach on when it comes to love. It's a huge topic, and by no means am I going to do, any, do it any justice, if I'm honest. There's loving your enemies. There's loving the lost. Of course, we just talked about loving the Lord. But what I really do want to dial in on, and I felt compelled by the Spirit to dial in on, is loving the brotherhood, loving the, the, the Christian body, the love that we're to have one for another. If you call yourself a Christian and you submit and follow the Word of God, the love that we are supposed to live in, operate in, and, and, and so on and so forth. So that's going to be the main focus. And I put uh, just a few of my notes. I really believe one of the greatest gifts God has given us each is, is each other. The body, especially the local body of believers. We have each other to love, unite, serve, lift up, correct, contend, laugh with, cry with, confess to, build up, pray with, and for, and fellowship, and more and more and more. We have this wonderful gift that God has given us. It's each other. So often, the, this idea that we have each other and we don't even see it sometimes. And, because we, and we don't take advantage of each other like we're supposed to, okay? Check out this quote by Charles Spurgeon. Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, really good dude. His old English talk is a little tricky, but I really like how he says something. But this, this quote is, is, is speaking to this. Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. He attaches far more importance to godly intercourse than we do. Since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation. Look at that last part. Since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation. So we have an enemy that's working on us constantly to divide, constantly to tear, constantly to pull apart, constantly to do anything but be in unity with each other. 1 John 3.23 says it this way. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. It's a commandment. Believe in the son of Jesus Christ. And what? And love one another. Just as he has commanded us. It's not an option. It's not a choice. It's not like I can opt out of that. It's, not, it, it, it's, it's a commandment in Christ to love one another. Now, here's the truth, and this is where I'm going to really lean in and probably be honest, probably overly honest. Don't, don't think that I hate you guys. Don't, you know, as, as, a, as a pastor and an elder, when I say these things, it's easy to say, man, that dude doesn't have any love for us. But I really wanted to reveal my heart and my, uh, uh, how the demonic attacks me. And a lot of people know me and say, oh, man, you have so much love for people. It's crazy. Um, but loving people is hard. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that? Right. Loving Christians is difficult, right? If you've been in church and around Christians, even for this morning, you're like, first time here. Oh, yeah, it's hard. I really don't love people. No, it is difficult. It's hard. One of the things that I pray often, and we're going to get into the Corinthians teaching uh, on love, but I pray it so often because, guys, if I'm honest, when I find myself doing ministry and I don't feel the love and I don't sense it, I in fact sense a coldness, a callousness, kind of an offense, 
at times some sort of attitude, and I sense it. And by God's grace and the Holy Spirit, I sense it. And it creates a red flag in my walk, and I'm like, I can't do this. This is dangerous. So I'll sit and pray because I know that is not the heart of the Lord. I know it's not the command of the Lord, and therefore I know it's not his spirit, so I recognize it and I hate it. When I start to feel like I don't love the body, when I start to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm losing ground and I'm, and I'm starting to, to think negatively of people and tear people down in my heart and my mind, Christian people, when I start to have that darkness in my heart and I'm like, I'm like kind of just grumpy and mad and I'm not able to pray things off and I'm not able to cast your cares to the Lord for he cares for you and I'm not able to walk in the freedom that he has called me to, I pay attention to that. Have you paid attention to that? And I'm hoping that's part of the discerning part. Uh, the, the Bible talks about mature Christians are able to discern good and evil. And that's not always outside good and evil. That's internal good and evil. As you mature in Christ, you start to get to the place where you recognize what's spiritual attack and what's human and what's just pray through. What's just me being a guy? What's the devil? And that's the, the, you've got to discern that. That's maturity. That's how we grow in the Lord. That's how we start to say, oh, this is good, this is bad. And if you start to grab on to that cold, calloused, hate, hurt, brokenness, distrust, and you start to hold on to it and bring it in and turn it into a thing, it can become an idolatrous situation where you start to have a, 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 an idol. You start to have an offense. You start to walk in bitterness or unforgiveness or brokenness, and it hurts our walk with the Lord. So let's just be real. Let's just talk about that. Let me pray. This is another pause, pause and pray. I don't want to just pass through. I want the Spirit doing His work. So Father, I just take a minute and I ask you to reveal the cold, dark spots of our hearts where we have entertained hurt, judgment, jealousy, envy, strife, harshness, hatred, where we don't tell anybody, Lord, where we cover it up and keep it secret and pretend that we don't have it. Father, will you bring that up? Father, will you put your finger on that? Will you expose it? The light exposes. Expose it as you do in me. Expose it in us. Expose it in this church, individually and corporately, so that we would repent and receive new and change. Okay, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Dwight L. Moody, guy traveled all over, evangelized, thousands of people gave their life, really awesome man of God says this, I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. That's a big deal. When, when we think about div division in the church, and Andrew talked about this last week, and we don't want to go super off the cliff into prophecy stuff, but talked about how he saw the church being hugged and the people just didn't really like each other. And as, and as, a, as a pastor of Cobblestone in the last several years, I've, there's, there's that reality. Well, I love them. We don't like each other. We don't want to be scooped up and hugged and thrown in the air and all those things that he was talking about. We can fall into that. So there's a few things. There's like three points I want to touch on today and through Scripture. And the one is, and I want to set before you is, and I believe this, and God has helped me with this, as I just talked about, as I pray and hang out with him, is the first one is you got to learn to love. you got to learn to love. It's so easy to think in our culture, love is just an emotion. It's just a feeling and when the emotion and the feeling you know, aren't there, then I don't love anymore. And I'm going to tie, as many of us know, the Corinthians. I am going to talk some marriage and some different things because there's no better picture of learning to love as in marriage, in my opinion. But you have to learn to love in Christianity, in the body. It's just the way it is. So turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. Let's take a, let's take a look at the most famous love chapter in the Bible, I believe. It's on coffee cups, t-shirts, et cetera, et cetera. 
But I want you to look at uh, verse, start with 12, and go to the very end of, of, of 12 to 31, verse 31. Okay, the story goes like this. This is Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church, if you know anything about the Bible or the letter of, of, of 1 Corinthians, the Corinthian church was a hot mess. <laughs> a lot of Gentiles, a lot of false uh, doctrines coming in, a lot of false thinking, a lot of pagan worship, sexual immorality, pride. Uh, they did everything wrong, I think, really. <laughs> they took communion wrong. They divided over leadership. They were fighting over who's, who's in charge and who I got baptized through and all this. Paul wrote this letter to, to really correct the wrong. Here's the cool part. He calls them beloved. They were still in Christ. He loved them. God loved them. He was just trying to straighten them out. So if your life is a hot mess and you love Jesus, you're okay. Because this, the Corinthian church was a hot mess and they loved Jesus. But there needs correction. That's where the spirit of humility and we read and we learn and we grow and we realize this behavior's wrong and this behavior's wrong. And when I'm not allowed to sleep around out there, oh, this is sin. Okay, thank you for teaching me. And we grow and we mature and we listen and we receive. So Paul comes to this place. Now, the Holy Spirit does this wonderful thing of giving gifts, okay? And, and, and we are a continuous church, so we believe that gifts are for today. And so the gifts tongues, prophecy, uh, different, different positions, teaching gifts. There's so many of them. And this is not a gift sermon, so I'm not diving into that. But it, it brings us to the point. They were really zealous on getting gifts. I want the Holy Spirit to speak through me. I want, I want tongues. I want these things. So they were gathering and getting and doing all this stuff. And frankly, they were doing it wrong. They were, they, were, they were disorderly. They were doing it out of the wrong spirit. They were operating these gifts all wrong. And so Paul puts things in order uh, in, in 11, 12, uh, and then 14. And, and, and he, but, he, but he wants to really emphasize something here in verse 31. That's what I really want to show. And he says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. He says that. So he's not like, hey, guys, forget getting gifts. Earnestly desire them. Go after them. I love your zealousness. But then he says this, and he says, and this is important, this is everything. And I will show you still more, a still more excellent way. Still more excellent way. Isn't that cool? And I will show you still more excellent way. So out of all the gifts, and here's the cool part. If you are a church that has the gifts functioning right, in order, the body feels blessed. They feel ministered to. People are like, wow, God's among them. I can't believe you knew that. You just confirmed something I've been praying about. And there's a unity and a love and a growth that comes through the gifts. Paul's not trying to say, don't do that. Paul's trying to say, do that. But remember, this is more important. That's good and great. And get your gifts because they bless the body. They grow the body. They edify the body. That's all scripture and right. But in doing all that, do not forget something that's greater than that. And he goes into an excellent way. And so then he sets us up into verse or chapter 13. And so let's just read it and let's just talk through it for a minute. It's this is the excellent way, Christians. 13. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Notice in each wave here, he's acknowledging a spiritual gift. Pay attention to that. That's important. Paul's not just rambling for rambling's sake. He's saying tongues, if I speak in a tongue, yo, and have not love, what's he say? What's he say? It's a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Look at two. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing there it is again. He's putting prophecy, understanding, knowledge, and the gift of faith. Super cool things that I want more of, and you should too, but he's putting them in the right place. If you have them and you don't have love, what's he say? I have nothing. Or I am nothing. Isn't that cool? Three, 
If I give away all I have, and if I, turn the page, deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Look at that. Sacrifice. If I lay my life down and die at the stake, burning at the stake, but it's not love, it's nothing. I've done nothing. This is what he does, guys. So tongues, prophecy, knowledge, faith, sacrifice, without love are nothing. Let me ask you for a quick minute here. Is there stuff that you're doing in the body of Christ under the banner of following Jesus, but it's not rooted in love? Is there things that you're behaving, or I read my Bible out of discipline, but not love? I'm sharing the, the, the some folks take, um, they take their, uh, oh, what are those things? They hand out tracks. And praise God, I'm not against a track. If you want to hand out a track, it's better than nothing. But if you're just handing out a track, and there's no love or care about that lost or broken soul, what are you doing? You're just wasting time. See, this isn't to beat you up. This is to say, if you're doing religious things and it's not attached to love, you should be, of all people, you should be like, oh, Lord, forgive me. Change my heart. I got to have love. That's where we should be in our hearts. That's what I'm talking about in my own internal prayers. I can oversee this church. I can teach and talk and counsel and do all this stuff, but deep down in my heart not have love. And I've had it. And that's what I'm telling you guys. When I start to sense that inside of me, I start to say, no, 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 no. I refuse to do ministry from no love. So that means I have to go tangle with God. I have to pick up my cross. I have to die to self. I have to get rid of something. Why do I not feel the love of the Lord for the loss, for the body, for the people? Why, Lord? That brings us to that place. It's the excellent way. You guys with me? Yes. Three of us are tracking and we're having a great time. <laughs> All right, so now check this out. Then he goes in, and, and, and this is what I want to, I'm going to talk about this. My point is this. We often have, this is one of my points under the learning of love. We often have and believe a false definition of love. So often we have built up, you and I, when I say love, we all have a different definition. When I say love, love God, love your, love your family, love your friends, we all think a little differently. We just do. Because we live, a, live in a culture that's just wore love out, right? It says it for everything. I love cookies. <laughs> Do I love cookies like I love Heather? Maybe, okay, maybe this is some, something that we're talking about. No, but it's a different kind of love. But I want us to get, and Paul wants us to get one thing straight, Christians. There's one definition of love that he wants us to get under and in, and this is the definition. This is the unity of the body when the body of Christ gets under this definition of love, we actually get unified and we can do some stuff. Corinthians church needed it. We need it. I need it. You need it. This is the definition of love. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, and it is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. I'm just going to stop there for a minute. This is what I want from you guys this morning. Examine your love. Think about how you've loved your family members. Think about how you've loved your, I'm talking Christian. This is where I'm talking Christian, okay? I could go into your coworkers. I could go into to neighbors. I could, I'm not going there. I just want you to think of how you have loved the body of Christ, Christian brothers and sisters. Love is patient and kind. This week, have we loved that way? Love does not envy or boast. Have we loved that way? It is not arrogant or rude. Have we loved that way? It does not insist on its own way. That one's huge. Because we tend to have a love that puts a demand on you do it my way or I don't love you. We tend to do this. You'll see this all, I mean, like, if you pray this, and I'm gonna talk about this before this sermon ends, how to pray this stuff. It does not insist on its own way. 
Now, this is huge because I know people, I can be irritable. I'll just say that. I don't want to throw Heather under the bus. <laughs> Gosh, I love you, babe. Um, it is not irritable or resentful. Does your love ever feel irritable or resentful? I find sometimes in ministry, and you guys, here's what I say in ministry. You're all in ministry. And I know we tra we're trying to really break down that barrier. Yeah, I'm up here talking, teaching, and leading, and I'm an elder. But you guys are in ministry to the people around you. And when I say in ministry, well, well, the bigger thing is there are people that text you, call you for help, ask for prayer. And sometimes, if we're honest, we start to get wore out and we can get rude. We can insist on our own way. We can get arrogant. I got friends that I love that will ask me the same things over and over and over again. Christian friends, they will not receive my advice, but I will, I, I, this is where I wrestle with, I gotta love them again. I gotta be patient with them again. I gotta send them the text again. Now that doesn't mean have, don't have honest conversation and truth and say, hey, you never listen to what I say. But it means this is the type of love that I have to give to them. You see what I'm saying? So this, let this define the love that we give. Now, it's not irritable or resentful. In verse six, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. This one is a huge deal, and I don't want to run down a rabbit trail. But there was a guy that was, uh, and I don't even want to use his name or whatever, but he was a homosexual. And he said, he's the one that quoted this. He said, the people that loved me while I was in that lifestyle, he said, this is the scripture that, that spoke to him. They can't rejoice at wrongdoing. So this idea that I can just love, if it's a sinful life, someone, and now, now, now let's just be honest. Once again, I'm talking about Christians. And I've had Christians tell me, I'm going to, Christians, confessing believers tell me, I'm going to live with my girlfriend and we're going to sleep together because we've prayed about it. I've had this in my own life as in leadership. And I was a young adult pastor, so I heard it all. Okay? What do I do? Love tells me I can't rejoice in evil doing. I do not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. You see there? Right there, there's a gear change. So this idea that just love, 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 let everything go. Be, no, that's not, that's not what Paul's saying. That's not what we need to take away from that. It can't rejoice in wrongdoing. Someone comes to you and says, I'm leaving my husband. Oh, I just love you. Be blessed. There needs to be a conversation. There needs to be a, a, a real, honest, loving conversation. Because we cannot rejoice in wrongdoing. Remember this. Study this. Learn this. This is the type of love we are to walk in. But rejoices with truth. Love, our love, rejoices when we see truth. Now, verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is gritty, is what I see there. Love doesn't give up. Love holds on. And there are people that I have, that I, I believe this, and I heard a pastor say this. He's like, there are people in your life that you will love right there, where they're at right now, and they'll never change. Will you love them as much today as you will 30 years from now? That's a you challenge. And, you, and the truth is, you can't do this in your own strength. You can only do that through the strength of God, through the strength of the Holy Spirit. To hold on, to love this stuff. Okay, so uh, bring it to marriage. Marriage is a very good, and, in, and most of us have heard this. I've officiated about 15, 16 weddings over the years. And I use this this in there, that for, the, for the married couple, they come up and they sit in front of me and I say, love is this and love is that. And it's beautiful and wonderful, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, but there's, and, and then I've done some pre-marriage counseling. But here's the truth. It's like when it comes to these things in love, it's like the pre-marriage counseling when you say, hey, marriage is stinking hard. And they look at you like, yeah, we get that, but not ours. <laughs> we, we got so much love, you don't even understand. And I'm like, okay, all right. I, I actually am more of a proponent for post-marriage counseling than pre-marriage counseling because the ears to hear are not open. Let's just be honest. When you're, oh, I'm so excited about that girl. I'm going to marry her. We're going to have sex. We're going to, it's going to be great, right? 
That's a guy that I got married at 20, so that was going through my head. And I didn't realize how long and how hard it would be to love and grow in love and how the feelings would, would dissipate. So, so often, the pre-marriage, they, they say it, they love, and they mean it. They mean it. But then on the wedding day, they're saying it, and they mean it. And Heather and I just celebrated 24 years of marriage Monday. Praise God. Yeah, yeah. Woo! God is real. No, I mean, <laughs> he's gracious to us. Um, and so uh, the truth is, in 24 years of marriage, this is what I'm trying to get to. I've learned how to love. I've learned how to love. I've learned that the feeling of love isn't enough. And all those married couples that get that, they learn that too. That it, just, it can't just be a feeling. It has to be a choice. And so what Heather and I have realized, and what many of you married couples and, and so on, and many of you Christians, it's a choice that we keep choosing. Love is a choice that we keep choosing. She keeps choosing me, and I keep choosing her. And I, she keeps choosing to pursue me, and I keep choosing to pursue her. Biblically, in the way God has called us to. And that's, that's love. That's gritty love. That's what God wants us to do. And of course, when you go through the, the, the scriptures there in, in, in Corinthians, we, we do that. We believe that. Now, this is, the, this, is, this is the swing I wanted to make here. Because Christians tend to get saved, start getting in and around church life, and start to think the same thing. God is so good, I'm going to love being around church people. God is so good, I'm going to love being around Christians. They're going to be great. They're going to be wonderful. I'm never going to have any issues. Kind of the similar doe in the headlights eyes. And then something happens in the body of Christ. Something the feeling doesn't provide enough for. Someone says something hurtful. You start to build a bitterness wall. Someone hurts you or your kids. In church, Christians, a Christian. Someone hurts you or your kids or didn't, your, your kid didn't get this and you were upset about that or so you start to build up an, an unforgiveness wall or a distrust wall. Someone disagrees with, your, with the way you look at scripture uh, and this is open-handed stuff. I'm not even talking about the stuff that really, that does divide us. There are scriptures that, understanding that does cause division and it's another conversation. I'm talking about some of the open-handed stuff. Maybe how you raise your kids. Right, some of you, someone says something real nasty about p kids that go to public school and someone says something really nasty about homeschool kids. And you start to build something inside of your heart, build a wall. I don't like that. I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna be around Christians that only believe exactly like I believe. We start to build walls of judgment, walls of accusation, walls of pride. Nobody visited me. Nobody loved me like I, I'm supposed to be loved. And we, we build walls of rejection, bitterness. They're clicky. They're, 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 they just have, they're just a clicky group. Uh, we start to build walls of isolation. Start to build individualistic walls. You know how many Christians that I love and care about have quit going to church or a gathering and how that breaks my heart? Like older folks that literally have like a, a disdain for the church. And they'll sit and they'll say, oh, those Christians, they, they, I would go with it. It's like you haven't been there in 20 years. What do you know? Now, I get it. And I'm not up here defending that churches are all awesome. They are a mess. I've been in a few. And I've been a part of the problem. And I think I've been a part of a solution. So I've been both. But I, it, none of that negates the point of love and unity and per, pursuing each other and loving each other and getting rid of, of suspicion and, and, and brokenness. And we build these things in our hearts. So number two point, we're getting there. What are we to do to walk in real love? Jeremiah, you gave us the definition of love and some, some honest realness. I get that. Now, number two, what are we to do to walk in this real love? It just sounds too hard. That Corinthians 13 sounds great to put on a coffee mug, but to write it on my heart ain't going to happen. I'm not going to be able to live that out. There's just no way. That's how we feel. That's how I feel when I read it. The uh, first point under that, uh, what are we to do to walk in real life is this. Be careful of feelings. Be careful of your feelings. There's a lot of us that we let our feelings dictate our spiritual walk. That's why you gotta know the Bible. I don't feel loved by God today. Feeling can be a lie. You are always loved by God in Christ. 
You see that? That's a truth. But if you don't know that truth, to pit it against that feeling, you can believe in that feeling and you can end up in some dark, lonely places feeling sorry for yourself, right? There's just, be careful of your feelings. I don't feel like the church loves me. I don't feel like those Christians care about me. I don't feel like, fill in the blank. Be careful. I'm not saying totally negate your feelings. You have them for a reason. God has given us feelings and emotions, but be careful of them. That's what I would suggest to you this morning. Now, the next one is this. Listen, what are we to do to walk in real love? Listen humbly. Humility is everything in growing in Christ. Learn from me, I'm lowly and gentle is what Jesus says. Humility is everything. If you, want to f- if you feel like you're stale in your walk with Christ, I would challenge you to look at your life where you have been prideful. If you get rid of pride, you're gonna keep growing. You're gonna keep maturing. You're gonna keep, God's gonna keep taking you to new places and showing you new things. 100%. It's that simple, but that hard. Because we so easily like to drink in our own juice and, and, and believe that our own narrative and get prideful on our own thinking. Be careful of pride. So listen humbly. I put this on so many people when I counsel them. James 1.19. Know that this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Truth is, is I'm an overtalker and I talk too much. <laughs> Here I am in front of you, right? It's the truth. And I know this because I've actually listened to my brothers and sisters and my wife and others around me. I know I talk too much and I don't listen enough. I don't have a, 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 an anger problem as much, but I do know that I need to listen more and I need to be slow to speak. When I'm trying to, to learn or if I'm going through a situation or if I'm wanting to judge a, 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 a person that's like, man, they said this about me, I wanna jump to conclusions too quickly. So I need to be slow here. I need to wait on the Lord. I need to get clarity, okay? Um, I'm gonna talk, and this is gonna be the, the caveat of my message because I believe this is actually beneficial for every Christian in here. I'm gonna talk about the word and the spirit, applying it to our life, but that's gonna be my final point. So that's also listen humbly to the word and the spirit. The word speaks. It's speaking to you or you listen to it humbly. But I wanted to talk about before I get into all that point, I want to talk, this is, listen to the brothers and sisters around you. Just listen. That's, that's huge. So Heather and I started, and I'm going to bring marriage back into this. So Heather and I started something that I believe is very wise and has blessed us, and even Heather counsels a lot of women in marriage and stuff, and, and she'll even say, this idea that he knows <laughs> is crazy. She says all the time, like, to younger women. The Bible talks in Titus, older women teach younger women how to love their husbands. It's a learning experience. Um, the, the, the wife can think, he needs to know. He should just know. Trust me, he doesn't. <laughs> As all I can speak for every man, we don't know, right? Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you, he just doesn't know. I don't, he's like, I don't know. And so to live under that can create bitterness and hurt and, and distrust and actually can start tearing down love. And so, once again, we're, I'm talking church and marriage, but it, we do it in the same thing. They should just know. They should just know what I'm feeling. They should just know what I'm going through. Heather and I started going out on a date fairly regularly, and what we do is we sit in slow to speak, we sit in love, and I look at her, and, and, and I say, what can I work on? Talk to me, babe. We've been married 24 years. What can I work on? What am I missing? Am I not spending enough time with the kids? Am I not doing this right for you? And it's a free place, beautiful space that God has allowed us. And she's bold and she'll tell me. And sometimes she's like, oh, you're doing great. And I love hearing that. Sometimes, and then vice versa, I'll tell her. I'm like, okay, you're, you're being too excessive on this or that or whatever. She's like, don't say anything. I can see her face. You see, I got to be careful here. This is what our next meeting is going to be. When you preach, stop talking about us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this, this, is what a, this is what love does. It creates space to be heard. It creates space to listen. And we allow people to speak to us. We allow people to say stuff to us. And so some of you got to do this, and this is a real thing in the body of Christ, been in and around it for a while. Some of you got to hear this, speak up, speak up. Well, I don't want to say anything and cause a ripple. Yeah, but if it's causing some bitterness and unforgiveness and hurt in your soul, Grover did something 
to Leslie. We'll just say you. And, and, and Grover just, he, he, he saw her at Kroger and Leslie didn't, and he, he waved and she didn't wave back. This happens. Well, I guess Leslie's against me. I guess Leslie, I'm, I, man, what did I do? Did I do something? So he'll start thinking about it. And, and if he said, hey, Leslie, I saw you. Look, Leslie would be like, I never even saw you. Or I did see you and I do have a problem, all right? <laughs> Either way, the good things happen from that, right? That's what we need. That's the stuff of love. That's the stuff of, of, of speaking up. Don't, I mean, if you're living, holding something, speak up. And, and so often, and I'm swinging back to marriage, but Hev will say, it's stupid. What I'm dealing with, what I'm feeling, it's just stupid, so I don't want to tell you. And I'm like, no, 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 tell me. And she'll tell me, and there's freedom in that. So there is a lot of stupid stuff that we hold against each other, but we need to let it out, talk about it, do it in a loving, gracious, confronta- confrontational way. Christians, we got to have confrontation. I, 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 I've, I've had, I literally had people say, you prayed this and said this, and I was so hurt when you did it, and a year later, I hear about it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know you believed that or felt that. I'm sorry. I didn't know. But someone was hurt by what I said, and I say a lot. So it happens, but I want to know. And I think many of us want to know. If, you're, if we're going around hurt feelings and tearing down people and people are like, talk, talk, so speak up. And this is kind of a brother-to-brother, sister-to-sister thing here. 1 Thessalonians 5. I want you to look at this with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Actually, I want to go 12. I want you to look at 12 because this is what I'm doing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So that, that, that this, there is a respect and there's a thing for leadership. Verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Like, I don't know how other elders feel, but I'm praying for you guys a lot. And I'm not trying to say this to get myself a pound back. Don't hear that. <laughs> I'm holding something against all you guys. No, no, <laughs> that's me being pouty. No, no, it's our job. We're to be examples. We're supposed to care for the flock. We're supposed to lead you. We're supposed to live our lives and lay it down for, for the body. But I, I just think you guys need to know that the elders of this church, man, these guys, we had a prayer time last week that was just powerful. Tim Moore, he just, the Lord, we were like done. And, and at the end, he's like, oh, no, we're not done. The Lord wants us to pray deeper and more. And it was so good. And so I just, and I'm not trying to sell you on the elders. I'm just trying to tell you that there are godly men looking out for the sheep of this church. There are men and women, and their wives included, are serving and loving, and you're loved and seen, and we care and we pray. And that's why Andrew brings tough words up here. That's why I'm saying stuff like this. Because we love you. We want you to succeed and flourish, and we want you to produce fruit in your life. And you are. I will say that. This church is magnificent. I feel like Paul so often when he, he just, just writes these letters or whatever to his churches that he planted, and I see it, and I see the love that you guys give to each other. I hear stories, and I'm just like, oh, this is so great. I'm so great, grateful to be a part of this body. So you, you don't take this as a total rebuke. There is encouragement. This church, you guys loving so well and doing so good in this. But I want you to look at Thessalonians 5, 14 now, be at peace among yourselves, he, he says. 14, and we urge you, brothers. Now, this is the body. This is why I'm talking Christian to Christian. This is a responsibility of speaking up and talking through things. It's on you. It's not just on leadership. Admonish the idol. This is where love kicks in. You do have Christians around you that are being idle, and you got, you've been seeing it, you've been feeling it, and you need to speak up. When I say idle, you know they're just not pressing into the Lord. They're not, they're not, a, they're not get, gathering in community anymore. They're kind of just getting distant. And you might even be reading their Facebook posts. They might be just, and you're like, reach out to them. Admonish the idle, brothers and sisters. Encourage the faint-hearted. You have this responsibility in this place. There are faint-hearted people in here that are weary in their faith, that are struggling to hold on to the truth that is in the Scriptures. They're beat up. They're wore out. 
And if you know who they are, and if they're on your circle of influence, reach out to them. Be bold. Sometimes I'll get my phone out and I'll be like, oh, this will be stupid to text them. Live in the stupid and send the text. Go the extra mile and love them. Even if it's a, you, have, you wake up and somebody in the, in the circle's on your mind, don't be afraid to say, hey, you were on my mind. I was praying for you this morning. This is love. This is what God does. He has put people on your mind, your heart, situations. Pray. You are interceding for each other. And don't be afraid to let each other know that. Hey, I know I've only met you once, but you were on my heart. Does this mean anything? I've been praying for you. Here's a scripture. Lift each other up. Pray for each other. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Because this is the point. There's a day and a time where you'll be weak. And I don't want to be weak, but when I am, I'm glad that I have brothers and sisters around me. Be patient with them all. There it is. Love is patient, right? Starts out in Corinthians 13. Be patient with them all. Every circumstance, every situation, every time someone says something off color to you and you really want to hold something against them and you're really struggling, remember this verse. Be patient with them all. Be patient, because here's the deal. You're going to need patience. We always love to receive grace. Oh, Jesus loves me on my worst days. Jesus loves me on my best days. But do you love people like Jesus loves you? That's the big idea. As you receive, you give. As he's done, you, you pour out. And there's a beauty and a refilling and a refreshing in that. Okay? See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. If everybody that hears my voice right now would live under this one thing and ask this question before you send it, before you say it, before you act on it, and say, is this repaying anyone evil for evil, but is this seeking to do good to one another and to everyone? Is this what I'm saying? Is this seeking to do good to them? to her, to them, to that? Or am I looking for something else and operating in the demonic uh, plan? And the last point, and we have about 20 minutes, so bear with me. I'm sorry if I've been a little ranty. I did not, well, I just, I don't even need to go into it. Anyways, the last point is 1 Corinthians 14.1. Go back to 1 Corinthians, take a peek at the, at the beginning of 14. Remember, Corinthians 13 is sandwiched between, the, these are huge, the more excellent way. And then 14.1 says, pursue love. Right there, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Once again, like the excellent, he's not saying don't do spiritual gifts. He's saying do spiritual gifts, but pursue love more. Make it a bigger priority. Make it the excellent way in your life, in your walk. Look at this. And, and, and if, if, if you're King James, it's, it's pursue charity. Charity. Pursue love. That was my King James accent. All right. Now, the pursue means this. And so the third point I'm making to get love, to walk in the love, is to pursue it. To be on pursuit, to action. It says, chase it. Hasten, run, run after, and aspire to. When you think about your walk with Christ, are you a pursuer of love? Are you a person that's like on the offense, gotta get love, gotta get love, gotta get love? That's what I'm trying to do here. That's what I've been trying to do in my own life. That's where this sermon has come from. So then you say, okay, Jeremiah, I wanna pursue love. How? Give me some, give me some simple take-homes. How does pursuing love work? on Tuesday afternoon when I'm not feeling much. Look at 2 Timothy 1, 7 with me. Second Timothy, Paul's letter again to Timothy, uh, 1, 7. Now, this is part of the pursuing love. I just I threw the seven in there because it's, it's beautiful. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love there it is, and self-control. So what's the Lord given you? When you receive the things of God, when you repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ, 
The Holy Spirit comes and resides in you, and one of his jobs is to bring you this. He brings you power, he brings you love, and he brings you self-control. So he's eager to do those things. They're inside you. That's what the, the, the word says. So now I want you to look down at 13 and 14. Skip down, look at 13 and 14. This is the, this is the thought. 13, follow the pattern of the, of, of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, look at this, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Now, what are you saying, Jeremiah? This is what? Word and spirit. What he's saying in 13 is word. Follow the pattern of sound words written that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. We have Paul's letters. We have the word. As you meditate on the word, as you read the word, as you study the word and follow after it, you will find love in your soul starting to grow and change and it'll push out. Now 14 says, this is the, that's the word part, 14 is the spirit part. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, where's the Holy Spirit? He's inside of you, he's inside of me. And, it, it, and to guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So God has put something inside of you. The word of God uh, speaks and the Holy Spirit will help. Let me just, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take this a step further because you gotta get this. If you don't get half the stuff I said today, that's okay but you've got to get this because this is what I'm doing and this is what works. So go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and just, just, just bear with me. Okay? So 13, 4 through 8, this is what I believe he's telling Timothy to do. You in your private time need to hang out with Holy Spirit. And so you turn your Bible to this if you're feeling the lack of love for the body, for anybody, for yourself. You turn your Bible to this and you say a prayer and you say, Father, this is just kind of what I do. I'll say, Father, oh, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I am not feeling love. I feel cold. I feel hurt. I feel bitter. I feel confused. I confess that to you, but I know you reside in me. I know that in scripture. And now I'm going to ask you to help me. And so then I'll say a prayer, invite the Holy Spirit to kind of like speak. Then I'll say, and then I start letting the scripture speak. Okay, I read, love is patient and kind. And I'll stop and I'll say, Holy Spirit, will you help me to have this type of love? The love that is patient and kind. When I am impatient, when I am losing my temper, will you forgive me? When I, when I am not being kind, will you forgive me? I ask for your forgiveness, Father, and I receive help from the Holy Spirit to walk in love that is patient and kind. Then I'll go on to the next one. Love does not envy or boast. Maybe I'm finding boastfulness, and I do. One of the things that I've personally struggled with is pride. Sometimes I'll hear something, and I'll think prideful thoughts, and I'll say, Lord, forgive me for that pride. I could hear it. I could feel it. Forgive me that I thought it. That is not the path that I want to walk down. I repent of it, and then I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, put this inside of me, Help me to be stronger. Help me not to envy or boast. Help me not to be arrogant. Help me to be humble. You guys see what, you're, see what I'm doing here? This is, this is real life. This is how you make it on Tuesday. It's not, I, I love podcasts. I love, I love preaching and teaching. But you gotta get it for yourself. You guys gotta get where, where you, you, you don't have to put in a podcast. You can get on your, hey, their scriptures speak. The word of God is, is alive, right? It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And when you start to learn what it does and how it does, and it works with the word and the spirit. So there's this, there's this beautiful place that the word like brings stuff to, 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 to pass, right? I'll say it. The Bible says it. Ooh, now the spirit's supposed to help me get it. The Bible says it. Love my enemies, right? I can't do that. I'm not wired that way. It's not like the Bible's just like, yeah, love your enemies. No, the Bible says it so the Holy Spirit could enable you to do it. You have the Spirit of God. 
That's what Paul's trying to tell Timothy there. What you're wanting, where you got to walk. And he even goes into it before there. He talks about a gift that was put into Timothy by the laying on of hands. There is stuff inside of you, Christian, that you haven't connected to or tapped into or trusted in that God's ready to say, come on, spend some time with me. Speak, Holy Spirit, change me. I'm, I, I can't seem to win against lust. I can't, so find scriptures that speak against lust. I will not look upon a woman lustfully. There's a scripture, there's a truth, okay? Okay, now Holy Spirit, meet that. I can't seem to stop lying. I can't seem to stop being insecure. I'm worried about money. So you find the scripture that says that he'll, he'll provide all your needs and not to worry, and they're there. And so then you let the word and spirit. The word establishes it, the spirit takes you to it and grows you in it and helps you trust it. Are you getting that? Like I said, you got to get this. This is growth. This is life. This is the journey. This is how we change. This is how, and we let the Holy Spirit, guys, let him in your, in your heart. There are places in your heart, if you're honest, and you are, that are dark, that are prideful, that are distrusting, that are hurt, that are broken. And invite the Holy Spirit into those places. Don't be afraid of him. Go to, the, go to the next level this week. Say, Holy Spirit, I know I have not let you in this room. My parents hurt me bad, so I don't trust. That man hurt me bad, so I don't trust men. That relationship, let him in. Trust the Holy Spirit to start ministering and speaking and moving you. He does this. He's so gracious. He's the comforter. He's the counselor. He's been sent down here by Jesus. If you can't trust Jesus, you can't trust anyone. So if we trust Jesus, we trust the Holy Spirit. And he's doing this work. Receive the word. Take one more look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. And I'll kind of bring this home. Ephesians 4, verse 20. Here it is, the learning love again. 20 says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Church of Ephesus. Paul wrote this letter. There is a learning Christ. That's what we're doing here. That's not the way you learned Christ. 21, assuming that you had heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So there is a learning. There is a growing. There is a trusting. Now go down to 29. And he talks up in 26, if you're looking at your Bible. 26, he talks about be angry and do not sin. Let not the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. He really brings in the spiritual warfare part to this battle of love and, and all this stuff. Because there is an enemy that wants you to bite on unforgiveness, on hurt, on insecurity, on jealousy, on any of those things. He wants you to bite. He wants you to, uh, yeah, that is me. I am. And when we do, we know that the devil can start having footholds and cause problems. It says uh, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such is good for building up as fit the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. This is another test. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, uh, Jesus says. So what comes out of your mouth? If you really wanna take the legit test, how are you talking at home, in private? How are you talking? What's coming out of your mouth? Oh, it's coming out of your heart, will come out of your mouth. Take the test. And, and, and there's, don't, be, don't be condemned in that, but just be, be real that... There's stuff. Listen to your mouth this week. Listen to the stuff that just comes off the, just listen to it. Listen to if there's judgment and harshness and hate and sin and all this. And then don't, don't beat yourself up. Take it to prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen you and change you. But pay attention to what comes out of your mouth. And he says, um, but only such is good for building up. That's what's supposed to come out of our mouth. That's fit in the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you along with all malice. And this is a big thought. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is the body. This is love. This is what Christ has for us. There is a grieving of the Holy Spirit. I wanted to make mention of that because I think you can't just treat the Holy Spirit like 
he's some weird uncle. He is inside of you. He has got purpose and he can be grieved. And I would ask, I ask him, show me where I am grieving you. Holy Spirit, show me where I grieve you. Show me if I'm watching TV shows that grieve you. Holy Spirit, show me when I speak and talk and lead and maybe do things to Heather or whatever that grieve you. I want to know because I want to grow. So invite him into that. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.